Hey everybody, welcome to another Ithaca Bound podcast episode. I'm your host, Andrew Schiestel, joining the show today from Tunisia. And this is the podcast where we explore history and mythology in the Mediterranean basin. Today, Dr. Philippa Steele joins the show for a conversation about the writing system that was used on the island of Cyprus during the late Bronze Age. Dr. Steele is a senior research associate in the Faculty of Classics at the University of Cambridge, based in the UK. She is also principal investigator of the ERC-funded project, Contexts of and Relations Between Early Writing Systems, and the project goes by the acronym CRUISE for short. Dr. Steele is also author of the monograph, Writing and Society in Ancient Cyprus, which was published by Cambridge University Press. And Dr. Steele joins the show today from the UK. Welcome to the show, Pippa. Hello, thank you very much. So in this case, so we're, we're chatting today, Pippa, about the writing system that was used on the island of Cyprus during the late Bronze Age. And we're obviously going to spend most of the conversation on that topic, but I don't want to uh, start with a question directly about that subject. Where I'd like to start with is, can you speak about what's known about the civilization or civilizations that existed on the island of Cyprus in the late Bronze Age? And of course, if, if it, naturally, if the writing system comes up in your response, by all means, uh, tackle it. But uh, let's, let's start with the more the what's known about the people that inhabited the island during the late Bronze Age. Okay, thank you. Well, what's interesting about Cyprus um, from the start is that people often say that Cyprus is pretty late coming to a lot of things that are already present around other areas of the Eastern Mediterranean and the ancient Near East. Um, and it's only at the, the sort of the end of the Middle Bronze Age and then into the beginning of the Late Bronze Age that we really start to see uh, a huge increase in trade, in um, really exploitation of natural resources. Copper is the big one. Um, so it's around this time, around the end of the Middle Bronze Age and beginning of the Late Bronze Age, that people in Cyprus start to realize that they're living with this amazing resource because copper is an incredibly useful metal. And of course, it's one of the main um, elements of bronze, uh, which of course the, the Bronze Age is named after in the first place. And as people on Cyprus start to um, exploit copper as a resource and exploit other natural resources, we see this huge burgeoning of the economy around the beginning of the late Bronze Age. And that is also linked with greater contact with people outside. So there starts to be a lot more trade. So not only is Cyprus clearly providing things that other people want, especially the copper, it's also trading that for kind of luxury goods that are coming from outside. And that also goes hand in hand with the wealth of people living in Cyprus. And as some individuals start to clearly get very wealthy from all of this kind of increased economic activity, we also see greatly increased social stratification. So people are not only 
kind of um, exploiting resources. They're controlling the exploitation of resources. They're making sure that power over these resources kind of remains in maybe the hands of a, a particular group of people. And those people are also concerned with their status. And they're using things like imported luxury goods um, to kind of reinforce that status. So they're, they're using kind of symbolic markers of status. And I think actually that's where writing comes in too. It's kind of another part of the package of um, things that are introduced at this time. What is it known if, is there consensus as to if, if on the island of Cyprus in the late Bronze Age, and and could you bring into your response too, just so that it's flagged, what what uh, the the time period um, in terms of uh, numerals, um, so that it that so that's clear for this conversation. Um, is it is it um, is there consensus as to if there was one civilization that inhabited the the island during this period of time, or is that um, uh, an area that there's not certainty. So in other words, there could there could have been multiple uh, different civilizations or um, or 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 states, etc. Yeah, that's an interesting question. It's I mean, Cyprus is not a huge island. Um, and at the beginning of the late Bronze Age and kind of going into the late Bronze Age, so we're talking around this kind of 16th century BC, we see particular kind of population centers growing up. Now, actually, the material cultural record really suggests that people living in Cyprus at this time are participating in pretty much the same things. So I don't think we're looking at more than one kind of civilization or culture. Um, though, of course, these are difficult kind of terms. However, what is interesting is that for a while, it's actually really difficult to tell whether there is kind of one centre in Cyprus that is dominating others, or whether um, power is kind of decentralised. So we might be thinking of something along the lines of kind of independent, uh, maybe, kingdoms or power centres. It has sometimes been suggested that a particularly um, a particularly large but also a particularly well-excavated site on the eastern coast of Cyprus called Enkeni could have been politically in control of the island for some of maybe the sort of earlier and middle part of the late Bronze Age. I think towards the end of the late Bronze Age, probably things are kind of more decentralised, but yeah, it's, it's difficult to tell for a while whether everything is kind of unified or not. But certainly kind of from a cultural perspective, I think, you know, we don't see huge differences across the island. Okay. Do you consider the period to end in the 12th century BCE or at, at a different point? Um, yeah, so I would say the, the 12th going into the 11th century. Um, but there is a lot of continuity over that divide between the Bronze Age and Iron Age, which is really interesting. Okay, that will be interesting. And I, um, I had flagged that as a question I wanted to ask, probably more 
um, close, probably closer to the the end. That probably seems um, more, more chrono to make sense chronologically. Um, but we'll see. Maybe we get there earlier. So, can you create enough background and context? Then we'll work our way into the details in the chat today, Pippa. Can you share what's known about the writing system that was used on the island of Cyprus during the late Bronze Age? Yeah, okay, so um, writing first appears in Cyprus in probably around the 16th century BC, so the, the sort of first phase of the late Bronze Age. The writing system we call Cypromanoan. Now, this was a name that um, the archaeologist Arthur Evans gave to it, and already that word, Cypromanoan, betrays the idea that we think it's related in some sense to writing in Crete, so the Minoan writing system, specifically Linear A. And if we look at the signs of Cypromanoan, they do indeed look as if they're closely related to those of Linear A, um, though they don't look exactly the same. So there's actually quite a lot of work to be done there to figure out exactly how that writing system is related to Linear A and what features were kept by Cypriots and which ones were changed. Um, so when writing first appears, we don't have very many surviving documents, but they start to pick up, especially after the 15th and especially in the 14th and 13th centuries BC, we then see the kind of majority of Cyprinone documents. The similarity to the signs, is that similarity to linear A or linear B or both? Um, okay, in terms of chronology, the Cyprinone writing system clearly comes into existence before linear B does. So just from that perspective, we're already looking for links with linear A rather than linear B. Um, however, I think it's fair enough to say that linear B looks close enough to linear A that um, and Owen kind of shares features that look similar to both of them. Um, but we're particularly keen to compare Cyprominoan uh, paleographic features, so things like sign shapes, with those of Linear A, especially the kind of later Linear A, so Linear A around that kind of 17th, 16th uh, century period. So this writing system, I, I presume then, given the, the, um, the, the moniker for it, um, so it was, it, it, it is a, so the, the term Cypromanoan is what's commonly used to describe this writing system that was found on the island of Cyprus, but, and we'll work more into the details of what's known about the writing system, um, but what you're saying is there's some similarities between the signs between Linear A, which came earlier than Linear B, and also there's some similarities between this writing system and Linear B. Yes, I'd say that's true. One, thing, one sort of complicating factor is that Linear A is undeciphered and Cyprominoan is undeciphered. 
But linear B is deciphered, so we know the sound values for certain. And there's also a later syllabic script on Cyprus for which we know the sound values. That's usually referred to as the Cypriot syllabary, but essentially is a kind of continuation of Cyproman. Um, but linear B and the Cypriot syllabary were used to write Greek. And because they were used to write Greek, we can understand them really well. And that means that we're often um, using sound values that are actually taken from linear B and from the Cypriot syllabary and kind of applying those in a backwards way, if you like, to linear A and to Supromanoan. Um, so those writing systems, even though they're kind of less closely, or they're not closely related to the beginnings of Supromanoan, they're really important for thinking about the system and sort of trying to understand its properties. Is it known which writing system is was created earlier? Linear a or the Cipro Minoan system? Yeah, linear A definitely um, pre exists by a few hundred years. So the earliest linear A goes back to maybe around 1900 BC, in, in as much as we can put exact dates on, on, on any of this, but certainly it goes back into the Middle Bronze Age. Whereas Cypromanoan writing is not known before the late Bronze Age. So linear A has been around for a while, and also a related system in Crete called, well, we call it Cretan hieroglyphic, um, which is not hieroglyphic at all. It's closely related to linear A. It's just a bit prettier, if you like. So can you describe the corpus then? So what has been found? And, and please summarize as, as, as needed to, so that it's um, um, uh, easy enough to, to provide, provide an answer. Um, what has been found in terms of the corpus that is associated or labeled as Cypro-Minoan? Well, there are only around 250 surviving inscriptions. Now, of those, the larger proportion are clay documents of some kind. Clay tablets are actually quite restricted, so there are only a handful of those. Um, but there are other shapes of clay documents. So the most distinctive is the Cypromanoan clay ball. So these are little balls of clay that are maybe a couple of centimeters diameter. And they have a sequence of signs written around the outside. I would say that's probably the most characteristic inscription that we get in Cipromanoan. And you don't really get anything like that in any other contemporary cultures around the Mediterranean. Um, and then we have some other kinds of clay document. There are also kind of clay cylinders, labels, that sort of thing. Um, but we also get writing on all sorts of other objects, only we, we just have um, kind of small numbers of examples of them. But we do have quite a, um, a good number of inscribed um, cylinder seals. So these are usually made of some kind of stone and they can be more or less decorative. They're used for sealing, but they have some Cyprian and characters on them. And then there are other items you get 
graffiti kind of scratched on pottery, um, pot marks on, on pot handles. Um, we have signs inscribed on metal tools and implements, and even some um, kind of copper ingots with some signs on. And um, yeah, so it's sort of various other things. You get them on stone as well and, and different kinds of items. Um, and that does quite suggest that even if writing is being used for maybe administrative purposes, which is what we usually associate with clay document usage, it does look as though actually there is kind of more widespread literacy that it's difficult to assess. Has any aspects of this writing system been deciphered? Well, it depends very much what you mean by decipherment. I think we often think of decipherment as something that um, just sort of happens and then you go from no knowledge of a writing system to kind of full knowledge of a writing system. And sadly, it often isn't really like that. Now, one aspect is being able to identify the values of the signs. Another aspect is being able to identify underlying languages, in which case you can then start to read texts. So if you think of famous decipherments like Egyptian hieroglyphs, Linear B, um, those were targeting, whether it was known or not at the time, they were targeting languages for which we had other evidence. So languages that could be known in other ways. And then um, the, that kind of helps the decipherment process once you've got the sound values. Um, for Cipro Minoan, at the moment, there's just no idea really what, um, um, what the underlying language might have been. It may well be that there are simply no surviving relatives of that language, so we may never understand it well. Um, and maybe that's a gloomy perspective, you know, there's always hope. And we can often derive meaning from context, even if we don't understand all the aspects of the language. And so that's another goal. However, what we can do with Cipromanoan is to identify uh, definite or approximate values for quite a lot of its signs. Um, actually, this has been a matter of some scholarly contention over the years. And I think we're, we're coming to a better kind of understanding now of just how many signs we can identify values for. It's probably a difficult question to answer if the writing system hasn't been fully deciphered, but I want to ask the question, do you believe that this writing system is a language in, in and of itself, or do you believe that it is a dialect of linear A? I suspect that the language is not closely related to the language underlying linear A. So if we call the language underlying linear A Minoan, and then for Cipro Minoan, you know, let's call it um, the contemporary Cypriot language, um, there is no direct evidence for shared features between Minoan and whatever that Cypriot language is. Um, it could even be that there are multiple languages represented in Cypro-Minoan, which um, is a question that's kind of come up in scholarship sometimes. Um, but there's, there's no evidence 
evidence for a direct link, no kind of shared patterns, that sort of thing. Um, so I think, I think it's very unlikely from what we can tell, but since the evidence is so limited, I wouldn't like to uh, make any definite statements on that. And I want to I want to clarify what's known or uh, what notions exist about how the this language or dialect functions. This writing system is it um, is it believed that these are um, uh, the signs? Are they? Am I using the correct terms? Uh, syllabary is that the correct term for that? Yes, that's yes, that's right. Yes, is yes. it? So is it believed that these signs and uh, please clarify, obviously, in your response. But is it is it believed that these signs represent certain syllables, and then and then the different signs are used to start to construct communications in that respect? Can you expand on that? Yes, that's right. Yeah, we can be absolutely certain that Cipriminoan is a syllabary, and it's the same kind of syllabary that we see in linear A, also in linear B and also in the later Cypriot syllabary, which was around during the Iron Age, so the first millennium BC. Um, and it's, it's, it, it shares the characteristic of representing open syllables only. So that is to say that any one sign in Cypromanoan script, just as in those other systems, can represent a vowel on its own or a combination of consonant plus vowel. Um, sometimes you, you could have maybe consonant, consonant, vowel, but it would always end in a vowel, um, which isn't the case of all syllabic systems. So if you look towards Akkadian and Babylonian cuneiform, for instance, um, those are syllabic systems that can encode uh, closed syllables, that is, syllables that end in a consonant, or at least some of the signs can. So, so this is a kind of particular kind of syllabic script. And what is really, really useful is that because linear B is deciphered, and the Cypriot syllabary of the later Iron Age is deciphered, and they were both used for Greek, we often find that um, you can get a sign in linear B that has a very similar shape and value to a sign in the Cypriot syllabary. Now, linear B probably got those values directly from linear A. The Cypriot syllabary probably got those values directly from Cypromanoan, but that then suggests that Cipro-Minoan got those values from linear A. And that's what kind of helps us to piece together these links between systems. Has, have scholars been able to see any evolution over the late Bronze Age? So has, has this writing, did this writing system evolve in any way that's known over the several centuries that we're speaking about in the conversation today? And if so, how? Yeah, it's, it's slightly difficult um, to tell for, well, for two reasons, really. Firstly, that we only have about 250 inscriptions in total over all those centuries. So, you know, from the 16th down to the, say, 11th century, there are only 250 inscriptions um, across that whole period. And then 
at the same time, we have inscriptions on multiple different types of object. And that causes paleographic problems. And when I say paleographic, what I mean is that if you write a sign on, let's say you scratch it on a piece of metal with a sharp tool, and then you write the same sign um, in wet clay using a pointed implement that you have to kind of drag through the clay or impress into the clay, even though you intend the same sign, it will look different, okay? And then imagine that all you have for a period of maybe 500 years is 250 snapshots of what any given sign looks like. And then on top of that, we have the problem that most of the inscriptions are really short. So apart from the clay cylinders and the clay tablets, um, we're talking only a handful of both of those. There is no inscription that has more than about 10 to 12 signs. Um, so, you know, they're, they're really short inscriptions. Um, and that's a problem. Of course, in a syllabic script, because most of those signs um, stand for what we would usually write as two letters in an alphabetic script, they're not as short as they sound, but they're still, you know, pretty short. Um, and that, that is problematic. Um, but I should say that there is one very early inscription that looks pretty different from the later corpus. So the, the first clay tablet actually looks much closer to linear A in the shapes of its signs, whereas in most of the rest of Cipromanoan, it looks as though um, sign shapes are kind of just just changed a little bit, evolved in some way, though it's difficult sometimes to explain the reasons why. So we touched on evolution of the writing system during this period of time. We said that we would uh, touch on in chronology the, the, the Iron Age, that seemed to be a, um, a reasonable place to work our way to in the, in the conversation. Um, can you speak about what's known about the later period and then the start of the Iron Age, that liminal, that liminal period between the two periods? And um, basically, what's 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 known about um, what was the writing system at the end of this period, and what was the writing system, whether the same or an evolution or different at the start of the Iron Age? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so after the kind of explosion of Cipromanoan writing around that sort of 14th to 13th century period, the numbers of inscriptions start to drop off a little bit. Um, and it's difficult in some ways to explain what's happening. We do know that there are various changes in Cyprus that also reflect what's happening around the Mediterranean. So in the 12th century, there are clearly some kind of crises going on. And they affect the Mycenaean world. So this is the period when the Mycenaean palaces fall. So, you know, around 1200 or so. Um, and we know that there are other economic problems in other areas of the Mediterranean. Now in Cyprus, 
it looks as though you have some interruptions maybe, but there's also continuity. So we do have things like site destructions, um, both followed by um, some kind of renewal. Um, and we do see ongoing economic activity across the island. It's just that it, it you know, it, it doesn't go without being affected in some way by these things that are happening across the Mediterranean. Um, and that must also relate to things like um, who is using writing. So if we see writing as something that is a tool of the administrations in Cyprus, um, you know, so the people who are exercising power over resources are also using writing um, to kind of keep track of those resources, as well as maybe seeing writing as a kind of status symbol. And um, you can see how economic changes could also result in changes to how the writing system is being used. And in fact, what happens is basically, at some point, those clay administrative documents kind of just disappear. Um, so probably by the 11th century, I think the latest um, clay ball that we can date is probably not later than that. Um, though the relationship between the clay balls and administration is one that we don't really understand fully, but they, they are one of these kind of clay document types. Um, and then we get into a period around the 11th, 10th and 9th centuries where the we don't have very many examples of writing, and what we do have often comes from tombs. Um, and it's actually at that time, sort of around the turn of the millennium, that we also have the first Greek inscription turning up in Cyprus. Um, and that is written in what looks perfectly like Cyprominoan, um, but in the Greek language, so suddenly, this writing system that um, has been used for a language we don't understand is used for a language that we do understand. And um, that is a very interesting moment in, um, in the kind of history of Cypriot writing. But because there are very few contemporary inscriptions, it's not really until the 8th century BC onwards that we then kind of um, see a related script, the one that we call the Cypriot syllabary, beginning to take off. But certainly over that gap, there is some remarkable continuity because that writing system is clearly being used and possibly being used in contexts that are invisible to archaeology, so maybe on perishable materials, which could be parchment or wood um, or, you know, other things. The, the, the Greek script that you mentioned that uh, there's evidence of after the late Bronze Age. Is there, can you expand on that a, a, a little bit? Um, is there, is there a term that scholars use to describe this, to describe that script? Um, no, actually, there's been a lot of disagreement in scholarship over um, so there, there is one inscription in Greek that dates to probably 1050 to 950, so somewhere around the, the turn of the millennium. So basically, um, this is an inscription that just contains a single man's name, a feltau, 
Um, so his name would be Ophaltas. So this is a Greek name in the genitive. And it's written in um, what looks to all intents and purposes like Cipromanoan. But scholars have been arguing over this for quite a while because some people want to say, well, this is the first example of the later Cypriot syllabary. Some people want to say, well, this is just a continuation of Cipromanoan. Now, in my opinion, these categories don't really matter very much because they're really just our modern categories. Um, what I think is the most interesting thing about this inscription is that it shows us, firstly, that that Cipromanoan writing system has sufficient vitality to still be used in this period. Um, and who is using it more widely, we don't know. It may, it may just be that um, that usage is not very visible in the archaeological record. Um, and secondly, it shows us that that writing system can be applied to a different language. So it could be that, you know, Greek speakers have started to live in the island. Um, we used to have all sorts of narratives about sort of waves of Achaeans coming over um, after the fall of the Mycenaean palaces and kind of taking Cyprus over almost by force of numbers. I don't really think that's what's happening. I think it's probably more that, you know, we get we do get people coming over from Greece. They are speaking the Greek language, and here is one of the first examples of it. Um, but I suspect there was um, a lot of contact between Greek speakers and speakers of whatever that pre-existing language in Cyprus was. And clearly, this Greek speaker anyway has picked up this local writing system and used it for writing his own name. And you know, that's that's interesting, but it is like a one-off snapshot of what's happening at that time. It's difficult to read a whole lot more into that. So that example, that is someone's name? Is that is that what it is? Yes, that's right. And it's found in a tomb. So I guess probably his own tomb. Okay. And, and what about it? And, and we, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this point, but I think it's very interesting and it, and it, it is natural chronologically. What, what about it um, makes it similar to Cypro-Minoan? Is there certain signs that, that are um, similar, some, something else? Mm. Yeah, so it only consists of five signs in total. O, pe, le, ta, u. Um, and of those five signs, basically all of them um, have a pedigree in the Cipromanoan system. And most of them look pretty much like we would expect them to look in Cipromanoan. Um, but the one that has caused the most attention, or uh, attracted the most attention, is uh, the pear. Now that sign looks like um, a bit like a kind of angular S in three strokes. Okay. Now in Cipromanoan, we don't have any examples that look exactly like that. Now we probably have some examples of what is the same sign. 
they're written, the examples we have are written um, on clay, so they were kind of impressed into wet clay, and they're much less angular. Um, however, in the later um, Cypriot syllabary, the one used during the Iron Age, that sign has this very angular appearance. And it's actually but mostly on the basis of this sign that some scholars have wanted this to be kind of the earliest reform of Cyproman to turn it into the Cypriot syllabic script um, as if it isn't uh, a kind of continuation. But actually, I mean, we raise a lot of difficult questions here when we look at that inscription and say, is that Cyprimanoan or is it the later Cypriot syllabary? Basically, um, it only includes signs that have kind of good continuation across both scripts as long as you don't get too worked up about the shape of the pair. And, you know, I think the, the continuity in some senses is more interesting than the question of um, what degree of reform there might have been of that system and who reformed it and whether they changed, um, you know, sign values and, and that sort of thing. Those questions are just very difficult to answer. Okay. Did Cypro-Minoan, is there evidence that Cypro-Minoan influenced other societies, their writing system or systems during the Bronze Age, during the Bronze Age, let's call it the Late Bronze Age, um, since that's the the period in the catchment area of the conversation today, or or afterwards. So, is there evidence that Cypro-Minoan, the writing system that we're speaking about, influenced other societies not on the island of Cyprus during the Late Bronze Age or afterwards? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually, because um, I haven't had a chance to mention it yet, but we do have. Some examples of Cypro-Minoan actually turning up outside of Cyprus. Now, the most interesting little set of those um, is a group of inscriptions found at Ugarit, um, which was a kind of late Bronze Age um, city-state, um, which was a major player in kind of late Bronze Age diplomacy. We know that Ugarit was corresponding with Egypt, with, um, you know, the, the Hittite came to the north and so on, and also with Cyprus. So Cyprus kind of takes part in this international um, diplomacy as well, though th that correspondence is all written in, in cuneiform. Um, but at Ugarit, we get some examples of Cypro-Minoan, so these are probably around the 13th century BC, so right at that period when um, Cypro-Minoan kind of has its majority of appearances in Cyprus too. And it's really interesting because there are some clay tablets found at Ugarit that are written in Cypro-Minoan, and actually that's something I've sort of worked on quite a bit recently because they seem to, in at least some of the examples, they seem to blend um, use of um, kind of the standard Cypro-Minoan writing implement, so a, a, a sort of pointed implement that is round in cross-section, which would have been used to write on clay, 
but they kind of jab it into the clay in the way that you might do if you were writing cuneiform, because cuneiform uses a different shape of stylus, which is why it's composed of little wedge shapes. Um, but it looks as though there's a kind of interaction there between Cipro Minoan on the one hand and cuneiform on the other. And I would certainly say that it looks as though some people in Ugarit are interested in Cypriot writing. Um, and yeah, there, there are some really interesting examples there. So it may not have kind of widespread influence, but there seems to be some kind of experimentation going on there. And then the other place where we find Cipro Minoan outside of Cyprus is post-palatial Tiryns. So Tiryns is a site on the Argolid in the Peloponnese. It used to have um, what used to be kind of under Mycenaean palatial culture, if you like. It, Linear B was employed there. But this comes from just slightly after the period when Linear B was still in use. And what we find um, is a Cipro-Minoan-inscribed clay ball. And that is really interesting because those clay balls are so characteristic of um, Cypriot usage. And whether that means there's a Cypriot living in Tiryns, you know, just kind of doing his usual Cypriot writing practices, or whether people in Tiryns had for some reason kind of picked this up, it's very difficult to say. There are um, a couple of uh, blank clay balls as well, but only one that has writing on. Um, but it's, it's interesting to see it get there, but it doesn't apparently then go on to influence anything else. So, um, the, you know, any kind of influences in terms of kind of short-term experimentation. Interesting. So do you want to take a moment and uh, share what the project contexts of and relations between early writing systems is, what its purpose is and what its uh, goal or goals are? Thank you. Yes. Um, so actually, um, this project, the Cruise Project for short, came up um, around the time when I was working on a book about writing in Cyprus. So a lot of the ideas that fed into the project came directly from the kind of work that I was doing on Cyprus. So I got really interested in questions like, well, if Cipro-Minoan is related to linear A, how do we kind of visualize that relationship? You know, how do we understand it? Um, how do we understand the fact that the writing system looks like linear A, but sometimes the document types being used look more Near Eastern inspired um, or very often kind of idiosyncratic Cypriot looking things. Um, and also I was getting interested in kind of the context of writing. So writing as a practice as something that people do rather than just as an abstract um, linguistic code. And so those two ideas are basically what fed into the project. So context of and relations between early writing systems. Um, and the project started up in 2016 um, and will be finishing in the next kind of year or so actually. And we've had a multi-person team looking at different aspects of writing around the ancient Eastern Mediterranean and Near East and parts of North Africa um, 
basically concentrating on the second and first millennia BC. So I've been looking at the Aegean and actually working quite a bit more on linear A and linear B. But I've also had team members looking at the Greek alphabet, the Ugaritic cuneiform alphabet, um, the, the linear alphabets, including Phoenician, that grow up um, in the Levant. Um, and then also in North Africa, Punic, but also um, Egyptian hieroglyphs have kind of come into it in various ways. And it's interesting, actually, that Cyprus, in a sense, is in the middle of all of that. So it wasn't really intended to be one of the main focuses of the project. But there's so much um, going on in Cypriot writing that is really interesting and gives a lot of food for thought. And of course, geographically, it's kind of right in the middle and in contact with all these areas. Mm. Uh, so it has kind of remained in there. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. To swing back to Cyprus, uh, it is interesting how where uh, Cyprus is located geographically in the in the Mediterranean. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think you know, on the one hand, when scholars have traditionally kind of approached Cypriot writing, they've asked questions like. Well, um, why did they borrow linear A instead of cuneiform? You know, um, why did they borrow this kind of document? Why did they borrow cylinder seals and so on? As if it's all about the borrowing and not so much about the kind of internal um, kind of motivation for developing writing. And in fact, Cypriot writing is so distinctive you can't help but think that it's kind of intentionally distinctive, that, you know, they're, they're trying to do something that looks a bit different from what you get in Crete and from what you get in the Near East. The project that you and your team are working on, Pippa, sounds very interesting. And this conversation has been very fascinating. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. So again, everybody, Dr. Steele is principal investigator of the project, Contexts of and Relations Between Early Writing Systems. She's also author of the monograph, Writing and Society in Ancient Cyprus. I'll drop a link to the project and a link to the monograph in the show notes on the IthacaBound.com's associated subpage to this episode. Pippa and everybody listening, as always, wishing a marvelous journey. Bye for now. Hey again, if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast and I wish you a bountiful rest of your day. Bye for now.